Over the last couple of weeks, we've discussed the importance of maintaining our walk with God despite troubling times. We've also discussed how we must humble ourselves to receive God's word. This weekend, as we step into James 2, we're going to discover how doing this plays into different areas of the Christian life. the Midweek Move podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what does it mean? And ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited as to this week, uh, Pastor Scott and I are going to be stepping into James chapter 2, continuing this journey into a very practical book. Uh, before we begin, Pastor Scott, how are you doing? Are you doing all right today? I'm doing good. I'm, I am uh, always ready to dig in. And one thing that we always talk about with the Midweek Move is... You know, the, the genesis of this whole thing was to create something, to create space in the middle of the week, mm-hmm. um, that we release something where people can make a move, that mm-hmm. they can uh, make a move in the Word of God. Right. And that's super, super important. One thing that we've been talking about um, in this season, for real, is being prepared. Yeah. Always being prepared. Not just trying to be prepared when something happens, but being prepared before you even get there. Absolutely. And one of the great things about you know, the Word of God is that it prepares us for every situation. Mm -hmm. And if we're not reading it, if if we're not in the Word, then we have a lack of preparation. And it's too late when you're in the midst of something right? to get revelation and information of something before that. So I think that even reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God prepares us for things that we don't even know we're being prepared for. Absolutely. We... Um, again, you know, there was a quote a long, long time ago that, you know, who you are when no one's looking. Yeah. Right. So that's all about the fact that before you get into a situation, you know, you, you can't find character. Mm-hmm. If you don't have character, then you can't just find it right. in a situation of temptation. Mm-hmm. If there's no integrity, then it's going to be hard for you to say no to something that you should say no to. Right. And I love the fact that we're creating space uh, not just to read the Word of God, but f- to allow the Word of God to prepare us for whatever comes yeah. our way. That's so good. So good. Well, like I said, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, receiving that Word. And that, that really, you talk about that whole being prepared. Part of that is humbling ourselves and being ready. And that's what James talked about. Now he's making a shift in the conversation, um, really hitting home to some specific situations that are taking place to these early readers of the book of James. And so let's, let's jump right into this with verse, uh, verse one, pastor. All right. It says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with partiality. All right. Right out the gate. He seems to be <laughs> giving a, um, a reprimand that there, there's a, there, the people are showing some translations say favoritism. Yeah. They're showing favoritism to other people. But what's interesting about it, though, is the way he says this about not showing favoritism, um, it's almost that doing so is an affront. It is a uh, uh, almost in disdain to the glory of Jesus Christ Himself. As if to say, for you to show favoritism to other people 
And we're not talking about like, you know, you should show favoritism to Tanya. Right. To your wife, to your kids. We're this not talking is talking about, about faith. Right. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about the faith in, uh, of Jesus Christ, which would be akin to what Paul dealt with with the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. They were given partiality toward, Jews were given partiality to Jews. Exactly. Gentiles were given partiality toward Gentiles. Right. And Paul comes in and says, listen, the middle wall of separation is gone right. in Christ doesn't mean that the Jews aren't God's chosen people, right? Because they are, mm -hmm. but it also doesn't mean that they get to just free pass to heaven. They have to go through Jesus. There's no male, no no female. Right. Like all that is broken down in Christ. Right. Exactly. It's all gone. But showing any type of favoritism, period, here in the situation, it's an affront to the glory of God. And we're about to get into that verse with verses two through four as to what really seems to be taking place. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand here, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Mm. Okay. So here, James, he's gone out and he's given up this hypothetical example that ends with a, a rhetorical question. Uh, which, from my experience, whenever the, somebody in the Bible is giving you a rhetorical question, you really need to stop and ask yourself that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Examine your heart. Paul did that a lot. <laughs> he did that a lot. <laughs> and uh, and I'm glad to see that years before Paul, that James was doing the same yep. thing. <laughs> so there's this, this rhetorical question that's an obviously such, uh, terrible situation that if you're doing this, um, he's calling them, saying that they are judges with evil thoughts. And that's... That's a pretty heavy accusation to lob against somebody. And this yeah. is again, this is written to a body, to a community of believers that he knows. Yeah. I, one thing that comes to mind immediately, Dallas, when we read this, and you, you know this, but mm -hmm. this is one situation that comes to me immediately. And that is with a man by the name of Charles Parham mm. and William Seymour. Right. William Seymour was a, uh, in all intents and purposes, uh, a one-eyed black man mm -hmm. uh, who had been called to preach the gospel, the right. good news. And he had um, he had an experience with the Lord that was uh, unexplainable, and you couldn't get away from it, the change that had happened to this man. Right. The, the, the presence of God that was upon his life, but yet being a black man at this time, we're talking about uh, this would have been the early, early 1900s, and... Um, he came in contact with this man, Parham, and Parham, I guess in our language, would have been looked at as like a father in the faith, so to speak, mm -hmm. like a Paul with Timothy. But yet in the reading of that story and that account, it's odd to me that a spiritual father would treat a spiritual son the way that William Seymour was treated. Yeah, Because we know that Parham... Uh, opens up the Bible college and we hear the accounts of Seymour sitting in the foyer. Right. And he was hearing what was being preached mm -hmm. and he was hearing people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yet he wasn't invited into that. Yet it was still looked upon as if Parham was doing Seymour some great favor, favor just right. by being in the building. Right. And we, we know the history says that, Seymour goes on, he goes to Los Angeles, and then all of a sudden with Asians, with Scottish, with all these different types of people and women, mm -hmm. begin to experience a, a, a move of God on Bonnie Bray Street, which turns into the Azusa Street Revival. Right. 
all over the world. The wor- this is a world-known revival, and guess who gets angry that God is moving? Charles Parham. Right. <laughs> and so it's like when I see this about partiality, that's one of the first things. It's like Parham looks at these people because of their skin color. Mm. And although he says that he is doing something for the Lord, for this man, William Seymour, he's showing partiality. Right. He's showing partiality based upon skin color Mm -hmm. and thinking in his own mind that he's doing Seymour a favor in the Lord. Right. Not that he's just doing a favor to this black man, Mm -hmm. but in the Lord. He's actually using the Lord. Yeah. To 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 lay out this division that he's created, mm-hmm. like William, what's being put in William Seymour's mind is this wall between this foyer and this sanctuary is a middle wall of separation to keeping you from receiving what those on the other side of that wall mm. can receive. Yeah, and that is evil. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and so as we're reading this, that's that's like the first thing that comes to my mind because I can remember reading that account and just thinking to myself, now we can read things today and try to insert where we are today into those time frames, right. and we can get it very wrong, right? Because we don't know the struggle. That's like people trying to look at Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, and saying, oh, he should have done this, he should have done this. Mm-hmm. Look at all the technology we have now, the comforts of life we have now. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're so enlightened right now. Right. And most of us wouldn't even have lived, we wouldn't even have survived three months in 1862. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's revisionist history to try to think that. But at the same time, we can look at that and go, okay, that could have been Parham's context back then, mm-hmm. but in the Lord, it shouldn't have. Right. In the Lord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and again, this this whole thing about partiality, it really is a, there's a mental uh, aspect to it, the way people are seeing, the way they're viewing life. And here in a little bit, James is actually going to address the way they're viewing things. Uh, but he sets up this argument about why this is wrong. And then the following verses, I want us to get into, uh, starting really with verse five, if you can read that. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Okay, so is he saying that the kingdom of heaven is mainly of mainly mainly made up of poor people? No. So what is he saying here? Well, I think the key word is in faith. Mm. And so when we look at the teachings of Jesus, we see in spirit, mm-hmm. poor in spirit, right? In faith, you can be rich and be poor, right? According to Jesus, mm-hmm. you can be rich with worldly possessions and poor in faith, right? Poor in spirit, right? Broken in spirit, mm-hmm. um, you can be poor in natural circumstances and rich in the spirit, right? It's the whole widow's mite situation, mm-hmm. right? We exactly. still talk about her to this day, not because she had a lot of money, but because of her heart, her spirit in giving. Right. She gave all she had. Um, and so when when James is speaking about this, is God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith, then it harkens back to Jesus' teachings right. of what it meant to be rich in faith, poor in spirit. All of those different things. Absolutely. And again, th- we're looking at this at uh, really a social construct, really, is what the poor is. That's how the world sees them poor. They're low class, they're this or that. But God's looking at them not through the worldly social aspect, but right. the spiritual social aspect. And so, really, the, the conversation that James is having with these other readers, there's two arguments he's about to present. It. Right now, we're dealing with the social, but here in a little bit, he's also going to present the 
a moral argument as to why this is not the way the believers should respond. So, Pastor, you can continue reading verses six and seven. He's going to expand on this whole social aspect. And that's really the strangeness of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Mm. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Right. So this first half, verse 6 and 7, this is where he's finishing up this whole, this irony of the socialism that's taking place here. The rich people are the ones that were taking the early believers into court. They're the ones that were oppressing them. They're the ones who were blaspheming against God. And yet they're the ones that seem to be getting, being showed favor in this early in these early church settings for various reasons. Some of it was comfort. Some of it was, we don't want to make them mad yeah, yeah. <laughs> type of thing. It would have been akin to Jesus's day mm -hmm. with the Pharisees, right? the well-to-do. Mm -hmm. The poor were never the ones who were accusing Jesus. Right. The, the, the poor in spirit, the broken, they were never the ones bringing accusation against Jesus. It was the powerful. Right. Because just the very thought of Jesus himself as Christ, as the Messiah, mm -hmm. is an affront to the power structure of the world. Right. And so you had the religious Jews who were all about their power. You had the Romans that were about their power. It's like all the powers that be, religious and political of Jesus's day, the the kingship and the lordship of Jesus right. was an affront to their power structure because he didn't function that way. He functioned as a servant, mm. yet he was being called a king. Right. And thereby... Their thought process of a king was power in the natural, mm -hmm. yet here's this humble servant right. that's serving all, that's for the poor, right. not just the poor in a natural sense, but the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. Because we know that Jesus healed a lot of rich people. Yeah, totally. Naturally rich, but broken in their spirit, mm -hmm. broke that their physical ailment or their situation had broke them in their soul and in their spirit. And Jesus could see into that. When he looked at the poor and the natural, he just didn't see them being poor in the natural, mm -hmm. but he saw what that had done to them in their spirit. Mm. Jesus was always looking through the circumstance into the root. Right. Yeah. That's not bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a moment there for a second. I just had this moment. This you is know becoming when, a pattern in the midweek movie where you're well, getting revelation. <laughs> well, you know when you say something and you go, I'm not that smart. Like, I'm not that smart. Where did that come from? But he really did. He looked through... And, and it, that was counterintuitive to everybody who was in power. Right. Because they only saw people for their situation. Right. And it, th when they saw people for their situation, they always saw it of how they could take advantage of it. Mm. If the people in power saw the rich, they saw how they could use their riches to enhance their power. Mm. If they saw the broken and the poor, they saw how they could take advantage of that to get them indebted to whatever that power structure was. And we see that even today. Yeah. We can see that in politics. They look for the rich and the elite so that they can fund them, so they can stay in power, or they look to the poor and the broken, how they can take advantage of their situation to make them indebted to them. It's a slave system. Right. And I know when you use that word at all, but it is a, a spiritually uh, rooted slave system mm -hmm. to keep people indebted to the power structures that be. And Jesus was the counterintuitive to that. Absolutely. He's like, whosoever will come. A lot of times in our culture today of social justice and social gospel, mm -hmm. 
we think that he was only talking to the poor and the natural, and he wasn't. He was talking to the rich man who was broken too. Right. That's whosoever. He wasn't just talking to the man, lame man at the gate. He was talking to the man in the palace. Exactly. Whosoever will come, if you're willing to lay down your riches mm-hmm. and sell everything and come unto me, right? That's humility. That's mm-hmm. humbling yourself. If you're willing to give up the comforts, this doesn't make sense to people, <laughs> but the comforts of being broken. Right. What are the comforts of being broken? If you're lame, you can sit at a gate and you can get money. Right. That's true. But Peter and, and, and John come to the lame man at the gate in Acts 3, and they're like, silver and gold, we don't have it. But such as we have, give it to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, the guy's healed now. He's not going to be laid at the gate anymore. Right. And so the the gospel turns everything upside down. I love the fact that James is going, listen, um, you may think that I'm talking about this or this, but really I'm talking about a broader issue. Yeah. yeah. And what kind of sense does it make for the oppre- the rich to bring the oppressed into court? That doesn't make any sense. They mm-hmm. have nothing. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And But he's bringing it all back to the scripture, mm-hmm. like verse eight, where he says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right. You do well. Right. And that right there, of course, he's record- uh, there's a couple places he's actually referring at the same time. One, it's um, Leviticus 19.18, yep. which it says, uh, you shall take... You shall not take vengeance or bear grudges against uh, the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is a declaration, a law from God himself. Jesus mirrors this in the New Testament, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Uh, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, mind. This is the greatest commandment uh, and the first. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend all the law of the prophets. Jesus is our James is making clear. Look, this is the law itself. This is the this is what you guys have grown up with. You guys are these were Jews, and this has been echoed not just in the Old Testament, but in the very teachings of our Messiah Himself. And He's putting this out there, saying, "If you do this, great, you're doing well. I'm proud of you." Yep. However. Verse 9, if you could read that for us, Pastor. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and Mm. are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Now James is dropping the hammer Mm -hmm. on the law kills. Mm -hmm. The letter kills. Right. But the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law, you can't live up to it. Right. Again, and a lot of times when we read these 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 letters of these epistles, we forget like who's being talked to. Right. Again, who's James talking to? The twelve tribes, which are scattered, which are dispersed. Well, what were the inconsistencies of the faith of the early Jews who were accepting Christ? They were going back to their Judaism. They mm-hmm. were going back to the law. Right. They were accepting that over Christ. Right. And James is coming back going. What are you doing? Exactly. You know better than this. Right. Then the thing is, like, they're, they're, they've been acting spiritual. There seems to be a suggestion that they go, well, we're doing the right things. We're following the law. It's just this one little thing of showing favoritism. Showing, He's saying clear, showing favoritism is not just a slip up or just, oh, don't do it. It's sin. Yep. And according to the law, if you're going to live by the law like you guys are acting like with people, you're guilty of it as a whole. 
Yeah, which he goes into verse 11 where he says, for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. <laughs> so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. So James is laying out there. He continues his argument by pointing out that they're, you know, this is a sin. And if you're going to live by it, you're done. Yep. And he's pointing out these two other sins, murder and, and adultery. These seem like minor things. I don't seem like minor things compared to uh, um, favoritism. Favoritism seems like a minor thing. It's like, that's just favoritism. He's like, no. And if you're going to live by the law, this is all it. Yep. But I love the fact that he brings it back to, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Right. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Again, he goes from the letter of the law to the spirit. Exactly. Which is grace, which is mercy. Right. He's bringing it all back to the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, thought, you know, just in this in this writing, and you covered the background of James, and you covered, you know, uh, historically who James is known as, and it makes total sense. Yeah. Why these words would be written by this guy? Yeah, because of the influence of Jesus in his life. Exactly, not just his master and savior, but modeling it in front of him. Exactly, and I want to point out the fact this is it's um, this whole aspect of mercy triumphing over judgment. This is the opposite of what they were doing. Yep. they had no mercy for the people who were coming into their courts. They were showing favoritism other people, not showing mercy, and they were casting judgment. Yeah, and back to verse 1, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Right. That's an affront to Jesus himself. Right. If you do that, you're not a representation of him. Right. Like, all the way back to to the first of this, Right. he wasn't saying, again, you said it, he wasn't saying you can't show partiality to people because you are going to be partial to your family. You're supposed to be. Sure. Your family first. But what he is saying is don't overlay Jesus on top of that. Yeah. Don't put his name on it. Mm -hmm. Don't put his stamp on it. Right. Because what you have been doing is not Jesus. It's not what he taught us to do. It's not what he modeled before us. You're doing the opposite of that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, You said something years ago um, in a message here about talking about forgiveness and everything and how people have this aspect of, you know, I can't forgive you for one reason. You said for you to say that you can't forgive somebody is to say that, their sin against you is greater than your sin against God. And it's kind of the same thing here. For people to say, well, I don't have to show mercy to other people, suggests that, you know, you're a greater standard than God's mercy for you. Yep. And that's just not the case. We have to show mercy to other people. We can't show partiality because in reflection, we have mercy given to us as believers by God himself. And Jesus was very clear. If we if we hold on to offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, mm-hmm. And we can't be forgiven. Exactly. Exactly. That sounds heavy-handed, but it's truth. <laughs> it is. And that's what he said. Right. That's what he said. And and I believe that James is just kind of echoing a lot of what uh, Jesus uh, taught and a lot of what Jesus modeled. James is bringing it back. And that's why I love the fact that he said, listen, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's not just hearkening back to Old Testament but he's quoting the words of Jesus. Exactly, exactly. Well, here in a second, Pastor, I'm going to ask you to give us your, your kind of your final thoughts, your big takeaway. But I want to encourage you guys to join us next week because we're going to be taking this conversation a step forward because James has some um, some heavy words they're given that people uh, – 
think maybe contrary to other teaching that takes place in the scriptures. And we're going to be talking about that next week. So that's it. Pastor, what are your, what's your final takeaway, your big takeaway for James chapter two in this first half? I, I just really think that whole thing about um, not holding the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality, uh, not ascribing something to Jesus that's just simply our own likes or dislikes. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times we we think that Jesus is always on our side mm. when it's not him at all. It's right. simply our opinion. Mm. And we always want to know that he's for us, right. not against us. And we'll even <laughs> use that scripture out of context. Sure. God is for me, not against me. Well, God is not really for my opinion. Right. God is for me coming to him and accepting him and then living for him. Mm-hmm. But he's not just for my opinion. Right. He's for truth. Right. And he can't help but be for truth because he is truth. Exactly. And so I, th- I think that the words of James here of really, and I love the way that it's worded. Mm-hmm. Because it may seem heavy-handed, but it isn't at all. He really breaks it down in these just small number of verses right. of of really a way that they can understand it. Mm-hmm. He spoke Jewish language to Jews. Right. Although they had accepted Christ and all that, mm-hmm. but he brought it right back to the law. He brought it right back to the things they would understand. Right. Yet not taking it to the law to bury it in the law, but to show Jesus in it. Exactly. Exactly. So good. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Midweek Move. Hope it's encouraged you, challenged you. We want to hear from you. How has this uh, stirred up inside of you? What's your next step? Reach out to us, mediahub at teachersreport.com. Follow our Facebook page, The Midweek Move. And if you're on YouTube, uh, share this out. Share this uh, this video out, this, um, this whole teaching out with people. Because this yep. is not just for our people here. This is for you guys to grow and help other people grow up beyond that. So until next time, have a great week.